lot of things can be said about an eight seed knocking off a one seed in the first round of the playoffs, especially when that eight seed and that one seed have a lot of history together. With that being said, what has been witnessed in this series between Miami and Milwaukee that ended in a gentleman's sweep was completely unfathomable. And I just have to say, full disclosure for all the listeners here today, tell you a little story. We have a group chat with our good buddy, Mitch. Me and Adam do. Mitch is a big NBA fan. Helps us a lot on our social media with our Twitter account and whatnot. Uh, Nonetheless, we talk a lot of shit in this group chat, as you would naturally expect. I'm sure a lot of listeners out there probably also have group chats where they talk shit. So nonetheless, there were some comments made at one point by Mitch that quite frankly didn't sit very well with me and Adam. And it was in regards to one Jimmy Butler, who rightfully so should now ever, ever more be referred to as Himmy Himmy. Butler. That is now Himmy Butler. Jimmy buckets is gone. That's gone. It's over. It is Himmy Butler. With that being said, Mitch said this man, Jimmy Butler, we'll refer to him for Jimmy for a minute here. Jimmy was a bad teammate. Was a bad teammate. This was what, Adam, two months ago, three months ago? Yeah, around the time that, you know, the Heat were like really fighting to stay three games above 500. Jimmy was down to like, I mean, down to quote unquote 21 points a game around, you know, like Bam was really doing some carrying in the regular season. Hero was doing like they were all healthy to a degree. They figured out their Kyle Lowry off the bench stuff. Like it wasn't a great time for them, but now you look at them and you're like, they did nothing in the ways of, um, what do you call it? Load, load management. They're all in great shape. They all played. I, I mean, I'm they not going to guys s- in and out of the lineup, dude. Yes, but that was just of natural frequency. You know what I mean? Just by getting dinged up, but they didn't do, they're not leaning into load management. They just stay in good shape and stay ready. And then they have their, you know, bottom four guys that they're willing to dip into for the regular season. Like, um, Oh, Omar seven or something like that. What's his name? Uh, Omar year at seven. Yeah. Omar year at seven. And yeah. then, I mean, Caleb Martin getting like 30 minutes a game for them. Mm-hmm. Crucial piece. I have such faith in Gabe Vincent. Like, I know that he's not a big name, but like he is just, he should be in that best backup point guard with like Monte Morris kind of like in Tyus Jones kind of territory. Like, I feel like this guy is, he's not your long-term starter, but he's obviously helping them win games in the playoffs right now by just shooting well from three. That's just the bottom, the baseline thing that all of these guys have done again, is shoot well from three. And is Duncan Robinson's role on this team to get like 16 DNPs in a row leading up to the playoffs and then play like game two of a playoff game and score 21 points? And then you're like, wow, he's back. Like, he fits right in again. Like, this guy is just perfect for what the Heat need. He just needs to shoot 66% from three on a given night. 
they're just ridiculously shooting from three. Like it's and the Bucks just like we know they couldn't match that. Yeah, and my overarching theme there with telling that story is uh, what the Heat just did being led by a guy like Jimmy Butler. That's not a bad teammate if you you pull off no. something like that. No. And Mitch was only being slightly truthful, like tongue-in-cheek-esque. I think he only like half believed that statement when he said it. I mean, but, you should only half believe it because Jimmy, I would say that Jimmy is a good teammate. He's just a hard teammate. I would say that's a hard team. Exactly. You are an eight seed, clearly outmatched in five games. And you smoke the number one seed in five games with the best player in the goddamn world. Granted, that best player missed what? Three games? Right. That's going to hurt. But there's this always going to be a completely be, different series if Giannis is in there the whole time healthy. There's always going to be that factor, though, that Giannis did play in those two games, and the Bucs did not win any of those games. They won game, what was it? It was game two when Giannis was missing, and they just, they were the ones shooting ridiculous from three. Well, like Drew Holiday shoots points. 28% from three. Right. I mean, that's just when you're getting real For the series, real defense on him because, and he also has a luck factor to his shooting big time. Like, oh, yeah. Especially he's in a, his ability he's to pull energy off. guy. He's a transition guy. That's, like, that's what it is for him. It's the rhythm shots for him. I don't know about you, though, but all of a sudden, everybody's contract is just in. Question there because Lopez is an unrestricted free agent. Like that is scary to me for them because I'm like, who's going to throw a $60 million, $80 million bag at Brooke Lopez for three years? And he's like, sorry guys, I have to take that. Lakers, Lakers would be nice as fuck. If that was next, it could that be on the way because he once played for the Lakers in 17, 18 season and the Bucks got him for free on a rental. And now he's just begrudgingly like, well, I got to go back now. We got our chip. I'm going to go win one beside AD and LeBron. That has probably low key been a conversation that Rob Palenka has been having. Like we can slide him the bag, forget Kyrie Irving. Let's just get a center. That's going to be able to play great defense and shoot threes for us. Mm -hmm. And then we're just, Oh my God. Yeah. So that is on the table. Chris Middleton has a player option for $40 million. I would say that's happening. Like they were talking about that on the low post, like he might opt out to look elsewhere. And I'm like, he's taking a bag for 40 million. Regardless take the biggest of bag that gets offered to him. Exactly. And then he's at this stage in his career. He's going to take the biggest bag possible. Cause that's going to be probably his last, if not just his last big contract. Right. Right. So, but I mean, that is also, I would say Chris Middleton is an attractive swap to maybe even a mid-level team where you can pick up real, two real questions to be had about him though. I think there's going to be I a certain that, number of teams that will absolutely be interested, but I think the majority of the league is going to be pumping the brakes based off of how he's looked post-injury. There is a real chance that we saw his peak in that finals run. Championship like, it run. Just, yep. Yeah. And like we know how it went. He played. He went right into the Olympics after that. And I absolutely cannot blame him at all. He won a championship and a gold medal that year. Dude was hooping out of control. Will be a legendary status figure in my mind, at least. I will always know who Chris Middleton is because he just has lethal 
mid-range fadeaway. But you look at him now and you're like, his three looks absolutely fantastic when he shoots it. He shoots it with no wind-up or anything. It's just one quick snap motion. And maybe his, his athletics just really have not caught up with him yet. Because how many times did we see him out there kind of playing like light-hearted? Like he was looking for the size up for a long time, mid-range step back into like a 15-footer with your foot forwards. Like he was looking for all that kind of stuff. And now he's just kind of relegated to catching off, you know, like. Where I can barely hear you. Hello? No. You can't hear me right now? No, and you're not, you're not like registering at all. On the, huh? I see nothing on my end of the recording and you're not, I can't hear you. Where is, where's the, I can hear you now. Now you're registering. I just unplugged and replugged in my, uh, yeah, I'm registering again. Okay. Let me go to my sound input thing. I want to put it up a little bit. Yeah, turn yourself up a little there bit. There we go. All right, we'll go with that. All right, we're good to go. Yeah, so I can see myself again on there. I don't know why it kicked out right there in the middle. I'm just scared. Giannis I'm is scared. also due to signing ex- sign an extension. That is he, terrifying. He has an option to because... sign the extension or just write out the rest of the contract, which I think is one more year. It's just hard not to think. We are Golden only really, realistically we are two years removed from that championship. If he went to Golden State, that would just be, I, oh man, I would. You know, I don't know. I would really have probably a lot to turn on Giannis. Like, because then Steve Kerr is going to make him the five. And yep. Loon is your backup five. And then they have the best center rotation in the NBA, essentially. Oh, God damn it, dude. I don't even want to think about it. Because there's just so much, there's just so much implication for what just happened here. Because that's like Milwaukee. Remember when they won like 17 games in a row during the regular season and it seemed like they weren't just going on some fluke. They were just, you know, they pulled the shoestrings tighter. Like it was just like they look great again. They've got their rotation figured out. They've got nothing but big guys. They are fully leaned in on Joe Ingles being able to bring up the ball in some possessions. And now you're just like all of that. That's why it's hard to say like that has been the conversation. I feel like it kind of was a waste this year. I think it's a waste solely because of Mike Budenholzer not being able to execute on his end and just watches the game go down because that last possession was truly terrible. Truly terrible. There is absolutely onus on Bud. 100%. 1,000%, I'll even say. Um, real quick, Adam, turn yourself down a little bit. I think you crank it up too high. Yeah, but now I'm fucking... It's so weird. Not too low, but just a little bit lower. Bud is definitely going to shoulder a lot of the blame here. We can absolutely discuss that. 
in terms of this being a failure, that's just such a bold thing to ask someone. And apparently he had, this Eric Neem guy from The Athletic asked the same question last year too. And Giannis's response, I'll go ahead and read it off here. I mean, I thought this was a great response. Um, he said, oh my God, you asked me the same question last year, Eric. Okay, <laughs> you get a promotion every year in your job? No, right? So every year you work is a failure? Yes or no? No? Every year you work, you work towards something, towards a goal, which is to get a promotion, to be able to take care of your family, provide a house for them, or take care of your parents. You work towards a goal. It's not a failure. It's it's steps to success. I don't want to make it personal, which was a part where I'm pretty sure he was about to roast him. Like, say, like, he wasn't that successful and he pulled off if you watch Damn. Yeah, bro. He pulls off, bro. Like, Giannis was about to go, like, for the first time ever, we're about to see me and Giannis, bro. He was legit, and like it was tongue in cheek. They said, "I don't want to make it personal, but you actually should watch it." I don't know if you watched it; it's hilarious. I've heard the clips a little bit of it, you know, but I but think Giannis always got steps some to it. Michael Jordan played from... fifteen years, won six championships. The other nine years were a failure. Like, I mean, he's got him right there, right? Because that's your standard of winning to begin with, too. Always, yeah. Mike had six. Mike had six. Even Mike had nine right. seasons of not winning. I don't know. I thought he handled the question great. I think it is kind of a silly question to a certain degree. Probably not the best question to ask that guy right now. Yes. Um, I mean, it's along the lines of inappropriate to ask. In the moment. What happened to Doc Rivers about Ben Simmons when he said, do you think Ben Simmons is a championship level point guard? And Doc's just like, I can't answer that right now. Mm -hmm. It was just like definitely a setup question in all stakes. Yeah, they're they're uh, they're walking them right into it. So I thought Giannis handed it well. Although, let's address the fucking elephant in the room. Like you said, the games that he was out there for. I know you're playing through pain and stuff, but like, yeah. man, you guys were there in the fourth quarter of this game, and he was. They were forcing post ups to him, but he wasn't capitalizing. And then when he got to the line, bro, he's missing free throws. Yep, that was huge. That is a huge component of it was missing free throws. He was 10 of 23 in the last game. Compared to the last two years, you know what I mean? He's been much better from the line. So it was just like, my God. We're back to this again? I I said that I was going to tell Mitch to bet $1,000 that Giannis would shoot 74% from the free throw line in the playoffs. Wow. Mitch would be be screwed. Yeah. Yeah, on his ass right now. I'm I mean, just, I'm in disbelief. I'm in disbelief of what just happened to a team that seemed like it was all about energy. Just had none. They had none. They were simply being outworked by Jimmy Butler on a play-by-play basis. Yeah, and Jimmy, you know what's nuts too is like Giannis in the post game. This is something where I didn't agree with Giannis necessarily. Giannis talking about like uh, double and Jimmy. Like Jimmy, Jimmy wasn't always bringing up the ball. Like they should have doubled. That's what's been pointed out was that that was the genius Spo move because he was like, Bam can bring the ball up through half court and wait for Jimmy to run off. And that brought Brooke Lopez up out of the paint. So Jimmy was just looking for direct cuts into the basket for easy everything all day. Mm -hmm. And he was bodying Drew Holiday. Like, and Giannis oh. kind of like, it seemed like he was a, like, because they asked him like, did you want to guard Jimmy more? And they've asked him this question the first time they got beat by the Heat a few years ago in the bubble. And, you know, he said, of, of course you want to, but you got to respect the coach's decision. 
And it's like, damn, that's when you're just putting it directly on Bud. That's not good if you're turning on Bud, you know what I mean? Yep. That's game over because they're going to listen to Giannis before they fucking listen to anyone else. I think that they need to strike while the iron is hot and get Nick Nurse in there before anything else happens. Like, yeah, I know that's the obvious pick, but Nick Nurse is literally floating out there for free right now. Get him in. Let him know that, you know, we need a crackdown defensive system. I like nothing that we've even seen before, even when our regular season defense was great and already is great because of Giannis and Brooke Lopez and Holiday. Mm-hmm. Like, let's scheme something actually. And then we don't even have to have a full dynamic playbook of cuts and dives, but just like let those three play the triangle on offense and include Middleton in there and let all the shooters exist outside of this like driving ability that they should have. And like Lopez is absolutely wet for the mid range fadeaway too. Like he Mm -hmm. is fantastic from that range. It just seems like they have so much more dynamism than they even allowed themselves to have this playoffs. Like, and I also think that they just did not respect Miami when it comes down to it. They did not respect Miami. They did not come in ready for this series. And Miami did. That's, that's everything perfect for the Miami Heat is that they came in with their homework done. My least favorite phrase understood the assignment. Well, and you know what's crazy, dude, is they take game four. Jimmy puts up one of the greatest playoff performances. Yes. Of 57. Literal all time, 56. 56? Yeah. Uh, 56, nine and two. He shot. My God. 83 from the line on 18 attempts. Just a fucking masterclass, bro. No kidding. 67% from the field. Three of eight from three, but the threes that he did hit, the three were so impactful. All three of them. They were yeah. insane. Right. The pull-up one that he hit from like probably three to four-ish feet behind the line. You're just like, what? Yeah. And he turns around and he's yelling, that, that's my shit. Yes. That's my shit. I know. And you're like, God damn, this dude's out of control. Duncan Robinson plus 15 in that game. Caleb Martin plus 16 in that game. Kyle Lowry plus 18 in that game. In game four. I mean, you're just not stopping that. I don't care what scheme you're putting out there, bro. Yep. And they're missing Tyler Hero. And Victor Oladipo from what was left of him. Game five. I mean... Just comes down to the absolute wire OT. Um, wasn't it OT? Yeah, it was one OT. The books ended in OT. Yeah, out of gas um, completely. Jimmy puts up 42, 42, eight, and four. It was almost like you expected the Bucks to walk into the locker room after that game and they were like, Yeah, we got to get ready for game six. <laughs> Like right. that was their whole attitude about it. It felt like, yeah, like, like, oh, we're gonna win this for sure. Yeah, yeah. Because I only really watched about eight minutes in the second quarter into halftime into that game, if not a little bit past halftime. And the entire time, Milwaukee just had the grips on them. They were playing calm, collected basketball. They were getting decent shots. They were letting things happen. And then it was like 
it came down to the clutch against the Miami Heat, and they were playing calm, collected basketball. And you just like, not sleep on fucking Jimmy. Exactly. And Jimmy Butler it looks at calm, collected basketball as zombie-like behavior. And you know, I well, make he, the remarks well, about Giannis won. not playing that well, but still put up 38 in game four. Right, like, yeah. I mean, but it's not just, much you can do there. And then game five, he put up... Oh, game five, he put up 38. Game four, he put up... Oh, where are we at here? 26. Lopez had 36 in that game. That's just... Did not yeah. close. Lopez is absolutely hooping. Yeah. It's sad, dude. I it don't... is extremely sad because I just sit here and I'm like, this was a team that was... Look at all the cuts that have been made. Like, the Clippers could have potentially beat the Suns if Kawhi Leonard was ever going to be healthy for a playoff series again. What and, a phenomenal transition, Adam Elder. Like, well, I mean, it's true, isn't it? Because this guy's basically done. How close to done is he on a scale of one to 10? I think we are looking at 7.8 out of 10 done. We're that we're that far in because I know you're constantly on the ESPN YouTube feed. Oh yeah, JJ Redick going to war for Kawhi Leonard. Like it's absolutely insane. But all it makes me think about too is that how hard he was going at that. I was like, okay, they want JJ to be the real players player on here. Yeah, they want him to be a serious version of RJ. Yeah, because RJ takes stuff seriously too, but RJ is just way more goofy and way more lighthearted about it. And he's enjoyed his time. And JJ is a born winner. He went yeah. to Duke. He was a born winner. He's from the heavy South of basketball, and like, I don't know. Like JJ just a has smart this guy, whole. Though. He is a smart guy, and I'm not disagreeing with his takes because I do like his takes because he is an ex player that he's knows what things are like. Things. Right? Because I mean. Being a player that close, you're going to be able to see the nuance between everything. You understand why there's drama between guys because you see it on the ground floor. And you see the relations between each other. So I like JJ for that. And he seems like he was a guy that people were bringing in for being in the locker room. I mean, yeah, he had stability too, but he was like a locker room guy. Right, exactly. I mean, it's evident the way that he was going for Kawhi Leonard. Like, it was absolutely crazy. The, the story about him carrying, doing the slow lunges with 90-pound dumbbells in each hand down the court, I was like, God damn, Kawhi is a machine, dude. Definitely a machine, but like, at what point, and this is what I think people, a lot of people misinterpreted with what Stephen A. said, which is he needs to retire. Although Stephen A. probably says it a little bit too ridiculously. And you know, I've said oh, yeah. that before too. And especially after this, I was like, before, it was more like, are we just going to see this guy retire? Now, it's kind of like, oh, shit, should this guy just retire? Like, should he... Torn like, just, meniscus. Right. Should he just be at the point where On the the, same knee. his health matters more than trying to compete still? Like, And that's what Jalen Rose alluded to um, the first time Stephen A. brought up Kawhi retiring. And it was like, you see this dude outside of basketball and he's walking like an old man. Exactly. At times. Right. At times. So it was Jalen Rose that said that. Yeah. You're like, oh fuck. He's right. He's right though. Like if he because if he's you can been see at it that even point when he's playing times, basketball though too. 
You can see it in the way that he plays basketball now. It's just that all of his basketball moves are natural for him. He knows mm-hmm. how to do the mechanical stuff. Like he right. gives he's himself very, just enough. To he's do a very this. like mechanical player as it is. Exactly. And he just hooping. <laughs> hooping out of control. Took a I don't one on a series lead for, I don't want to see him retire either because it also just puts more muck in the water for a team that just didn't reach its potential. And, and traded Shea Gildress Alexander to oh, get here. Oh, oh, I mean, doesn't that hurt the most? That does hurt, honestly. I bet they look back at the 2017-18 season, and or actually the 2018-19 season when they had Pat Bev and Shea and all this group of like, like just a... Imagine Will, Brooklyn Will Nets. is still good. Right. Imagine the Brooklyn Nets right now, just a team of good to solid role players, but they Trey. actually had guys that could hoop and change things. And that was Lou Williams in terms of scoring. Like, it was just nuts. And they beat the Warriors on the best comeback in NBA history. I will hear nothing else. It was the best comeback in NBA history, that game. Yeah. It was. Overall comeback? Like, just one on a one-game basis. Like Okay, that's the fair. Best, it's the best comeback in NBA okay, history. Okay, because if especially. we're talking, like, best ever comeback, I mean, arguably... No, that's the 3-1. That's yeah. the 3-1. Right. <laughs> arguably, no. in all of sports, it's at 3-1. I'm not going to shade that, but no, it was, like, game four, I'm pretty sure. Like, single NBA game comeback. Yes, because it was the Clippers, the sixth seed against the Warriors. It was, like, the six or seven seed Clippers, actually, against the Warriors. And... They won one really tough game where they were down like 23 points going into halftime. And they came back and won in the Oracle before the Oracle was shut down. Like, it was just one more like... And Patrick Beverly was on the other end, was on the winning end, and said the quote to Steph Curry that game, the next five years are mine. Insane. Wow. Now he's led two teams to the play-in, so... Fantastic. Playing Pat, boy. <laughs> playing Pat. We got play if, playoff P and playing Pat. Get Paul George to Chicago. That can fix their problems. Just trade him for Levine. Is that is that going to be the move? I think trade Paul George is definitely on the table at this point. And also might be... I don't know. Like, do they... They're bringing Russ back. The energy surrounding that is that they want Russ. And I think that Balmer and Russ get along. It seems like that. Because they're both psychopaths. I just... That's, that's going to be such a bad look. It, it will be. Because Russ had a great run to the end of the season and helped his team win one playoff game. Norm Powell, I think, is back too. You think they bring back Norm? Yeah, I think they like what they get. I honestly, I mean, if they're really bought back into this core and they say, let's get Kawhi healthy and one more year, because I mean, everybody's on contract for at least one more year, right? Ballmer might just be like, we have to. I think to- Kawhi's got two more years left. I think both their contracts are exactly lined up and I think they both have two more years left. So, I mean, that's, I feel like that's reason enough for me to think that they will ride out next season and if not, they will use valuable expiring contracts to move in the future because 
Next year is important for the Clippers. They're moving to the Inglewood mm-hmm. Stadium. They're going to get everything going for that. They're going to want to take spotlights away from the Lakers because now the crypto crypt is belongs to the Lakers. Strictly to the Lake, Lake Show. And that can change the dynamic of that rivalry if there even is one. But I mean, that gives me reason to think that they are going to run it back with this group of role players. And they liked Plumlee too. They liked what they got from Plumlee. And they think that this is so solid how it is. I mean, it's going to be the same, same thing. We have a group of good role players from 1 to 11. And we need them to hold the ship down while our two superstars just are on some cartwheel of getting injured every 6 to 18 weeks. And I just, if you have another season like that, it's just, that's going to be just one of the worst moves of all time. And that's why I think that they're going to try to get their return on investment one more time because they just saw the spill that Giannis took too. Right. They can try to think that they could get Brooke Lopez. Do you ship off Plumlee and Zubach, which would just be awful for the Bucks? That would be awful like for a the Simon Bucks, trade. Yeah, Bucks aren't getting involved in that. Um, the flip side of the series, Phoenix Suns, game four, Kevin Durant, 31, 11, and six. Shot three of four from three, 75%. Nine of 17 from the field, 52%. 90 from the line? Yeah. 90 <laughs> from the line. 10 of 11, dude. Devin Kevin Booker. De- yeah. Oh, yeah. 30. Nine and seven. Three of six from three, 50%. 10 to 21 from the field, 47%. 87 from the line, seven of eight. They're just, they're as nice as expected. And it's gone under the radar somehow. They literally toyed with the Clippers for one game. The Clippers won one game. It's the mid-range, dude. They were absolutely... When they get downhill, and Chris Paul, you know what? Chris Paul has brought himself back. 19 points in game four. Exactly. So, And you see him... You know what? I'm still glad that he can turn it on and hit six mid-range jump shots in a row. Like, in the third quarter of a playoff game to just keep things going. Yeah. Like, you love to see it because you know that the mid-range is just wet. And he always Mm -hmm. does it off of one little nice dribble pull-up that they set Booker up for, too. And it's just the same result. I think that this team might be the favorite to make the Western Conference Finals now. Like, it's just, I think that's where the dust is settling right now. Yeah, I think they handle the Nuggets with the way they're playing. As tough as that sounds, um, it's really going to come down to, I think for both of these teams, who outscores each other. And I'm sorry, I'm going to trust what they've put together here in Phoenix. Because game five, Adam, Kevin Durant put up another cool 31. Six and four. Seven to seven from the line. Four, six from three. 10 to 19 from the field. Devin Booker, 47 in a fucking closeout. 47 points. Yep. Nine to 27 from the field. Four to seven from three. Five to six from the free throw line. I mean... You're going to have to have incredible performances from Jamal Murray. Jokic is going to show up. You're going to have to have incredible performances from Jamal Murray, defensively and offensively. And also, you're going to have to have Gordon and Michael Porter Jr. to show up on 
any given night. Exactly. Yes. And sometimes MPJ is pretty goddamn questionable. I am excited for this because this is just going to set up exact. Like this is such a great matchup. Like these teams are the same size now. Like there's no Mikhail Bridges involved that they can throw and muck up in Denver's system. You know, like there's no Cam Johnson either. All you mm-hmm. have is Josh. You definitely downgraded in size. You're going to see Terrence Ross probably get minutes in these games because Denver's be got... Bad. Yeah, and be bad. Exactly. And you're going to see Monty Williams afraid to throw Jock Lawndale out there for, God forbid, 11 minutes against Nikola Jokic in the Landry playoffs. Landry Shamit's going to get minutes. Yes, that's going to be there. Cam Payne is probably going to be getting back in there. Yep. And he I had three minutes in game five. Bruce Brown is everything Josh Okogie wants to be. And Bruce Brown is a great playoff performer. And I love what he's put together for this team this season, just being the perfect point guard for them off the bench, if not a starter on some given nights. It's just going to take fantastic minutes from Jeff Murray. Green. <laughs> Jeff Green <laughs> off the bench. Like, that's your big what if because Jeff Green gets center minutes on this team. And I think I think the question mark really lies with Murray, dude, because he started to heat up and was pretty goddamn good in this Minnesota series. But like, we just know with this guy that we're not for sure if this is who he is yet. He still hasn't shown that what he did know. in the bubble is who he is. I don't know. Due to injury, but nonetheless. I'm not saying see. he can't. I just want to see him, Jamal in this series. Like I'm ready for the Nuggets to win this series fully. Although I think the Suns, the Suns feel like the safe pick essentially because of everything that they have. They have Kevin Durant playing like one of the best players in the world. It's just it yeah, it really is going to be up to Gordon and Porter Jr. to play defense on Kevin Durant. Yeah, especially Porter Jr. because that's going to be your hope and pray measure right there. Well, and if Devin Booker's playing like one of the best players in basketball, as yeah. well as having Kevin Durant, as well as still getting something out of Chris Paul, and if DeAndre Ayton can just mildly hold his own. KCP, too. We have not said KCP's name yet. So, I mean, KCP, you're going to have to really step up on defense against Booker. Like, he's Booker's primary defender through in and out. And, you know, the Clippers only had one game, and it was the game they won, where they started to force the Suns to play through Aiton. Like they did a really good job at yeah. like closing off Durant and Devin Booker. Um, but then like every other game, they just couldn't, they couldn't do that at all. And like, I feel like that's going to be the key. If Denver can somehow, Clamps. which I mean, they're arguably a worse, way worse defensive team than the Clippers. So I'm not sure how they would, but like they're going to have to try to get the ball in Aiton's hand. And, and try to make him beat them. Exactly, yes. The, he's going to need that lane wide open for his little nifty hook shots mm-hmm. and like fadeaways. Like I am totally fine with getting like him switched on to Porter Jr. And then he tries one of his little nifty shots. Yeah, when Booker brings the ball up the court, he should be getting met at half court too. Yeah. Same with Kevin Durant. Do not let Kevin Durant get to the fucking the the mid post. Oh yeah, it's over from there. He can literally shoot a fadeaway over anybody in the world. Yeah. You can't let him get to that spot. 
Now he's still going to get to that spot, but you got to do your damnedest to prevent it. Yep. Yeah, and that's something only Boston is capable of. Apparently. <laughs> of what we know of, the Clippers couldn't do it. So. Hey, you know what? This was the Clippers have always Clippers and uh, Celtics have always had some kind of weird reflective energy between each other. It's the Bill Simmons effect. Bill Simmons and his idea of basketball is what they've embraced. All you need is big wings that can make plays. Ugh. Dude makes me <laughs> sick. Um, let's go ahead and move further down our f- funeral phase here, as we like to call it, Adam, because this is funeral season where all these teams are getting sent home. Um, another series that ended last night, Atlanta versus Boston. It was a worthy battle, I would say, out of anything. Um, I was actually kind of surprised by how not good DeJounte Murray was at times. And Multiple points in that series. How much Jalen Brown essentially didn't even see him out there. Right. Like Jalen Brown was absolutely hooping out of control last night. And he, wa- he was the one that hit the three that changed the absolute momentum of that game. Like, because the Celtics were in this mode where they were just going through their offense. They were doing the slick passes. Malcolm Brogdon was changing from third to sixth gear down in the post, doing his little hingy stuff. And like they were letting Smart get kicked out threes. They were letting Grant Williams get kicked out threes and stuff. And then Jalen Brown just had this pull-up three clean, absolutely clean. And that just completely tr- turned the tide. And they just started punching hard. And that mm-hmm. resulted like it was an Al Horford three-pointer. It was that putback from the Al three-pointer by Tatum, which was just huge. Massive. And it just went down from there. Like they, com- they completely took over that game because I was so excited about DeJounte and Trey because I was like, DeJounte will be able to just be the defender that can help Trey because he's shiftier and just, I mean really the only difference between they're both just really skinny guards. Like when you think about defense, they're really just going to have to be relying on swats and steals and getting into the passing lane and running in transition. And like, I don't know if you're the Hawks, are you comfortable moving on him this off season? And just that was going to be my question. Like, where do you go from here after that? Like you clearly have a ceiling even after you did that. And you know, these first-round exits just aren't going to cut it. Being a play-in team every year just isn't going to cut it. Especially right. not when you brought in a guy like Quinn Snyder who wants to win. Exactly. And you know what? I honestly... I think it's really as simple as getting rid of DeJounte Murray and trying to find something in the ways of a different wing that can, I don't know, like play more of the two and really actually help Trey Young on defense. Like you need I more think, of an off ball guy who can defend. Exactly. And DeJounte like trying to get Trey to come like off ball just ball isn't going to happen. And is yeah, it exactly. Work? And it shouldn't, honestly, it shouldn't work for a Trey Young offense because Trey is that good at initiating plays and passing. Like right. he is that guy. Like let him be the one that cooks. Why get a second point guard next to him when you can see that DeJounte is a pace point guard? And mm-hmm. wants to push the ball at all times. Like, at times, the opposite of Trey. Like, the only time Trey wants to push is when he gets a steal and he's running mm-hmm. in transition. Like, any other time, he's trying to walk the ball up and cook. Like, it just, it's such a stylistic clash that you're like, 
You don't know what to do. And you wonder who would really want to bite on him because you're going to have to sell him as a starting point guard for whatever team is going to be getting him. Essentially. Like, you're, he's not going to be a two. No. He's not a real two. Exactly. It just And this playoffs has ended all my delusions of who I think can play switch at guard. Like Donovan Mitchell. I was like, oh, he's the one. He's the one. He's the one forever. But that only works on NBA 2K, apparently. Well, we'll hold up on the Cavs talk because respect has to be given to Mr. Jalen Brown. Game five performance put up 38 points. Hooping. Yeah, absolutely hooping. Um, and then game Still wearing six, the mask, too. Still wearing the mask. Game six, Tatum put up 30. Brown put up 32. Ridiculous. Brown shot six of eight from three. I mean, just absolutely lights out. And it's, it's moments like that. You're like, oh, this team can win a championship. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. You're like, oh my God, this team could win a championship. Because they just... You know, when I watch Joe Missoula, I often think about him too. I'm like, there's such a fine line at times between who is a gimmick coach and who's a real coach. And like, mm-hmm. oftentimes it can just seem about focus. And... Joe Mazzulla is 100% always focused in and he's just ready to call the next play. And I think that's helping Boston so much. Yep. That is helping Boston so much on offense. Like he is ready to insert and make the tough decisions. Yeah. I'm going to leave smart on the bench and let Brogdon and, and um, white be the backcourt. And, and smart's guys. got good energy when he's on the bench to his credit. Exactly. Smart has had great energy when you see him on the bench. I would just think that after what this team was able to see in the last postseason, they're like, why not us? We should be able to win a championship. Arguably, they were better than that Golden State team. It's just that Steph Curry is Steph Curry and their role players showed out. Mm-hmm. Andrew Wiggins was humongous, was a championship small forward. Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole, yeah. Jordan Poole. Uh, Jordan Poole was great that series, dude. He, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he was. I'm not he saying he's great his- now, but he's great that series. He showed the fuck up. Right. And you just wonder how far away we are from that too, you know? How far away are we from him showing up again? And then like, he's worth the contract. (laughs) It could happen. The thing with Boston going forward is I think it does really come down to Jason Tatum more than Jalen Brown because we saw last year, Jalen Brown showed the fuck up in the finals. Right. And Tatum, I mean, depending on who they match up with again, but Tatum was just struggling so bad with Wiggins. And to the point where it's like, it wasn't that he was, it got to a point where he wasn't attempting. It wasn't like he was attempting and Wiggins was just shutting shit down. It's a point where Tatum was like visibly afraid to even try to go at Wiggins. Right. Real hesitation. That can't be a problem. That can't be, that can't be a thing. And then Jalen Brown just standing in the corner. During huh. these eight to twelve second isolate, Jalen Brown just in the corner with his hands on his hips, like, right? Okay, why is it not my time to cook then? If you're just not even wanting to put not being aggressive, down. yeah, you're not yeah, pushing that's... their help defense. You know what I mean? You're not forcing Draymond to act upon that as well. You're not drawing the double in any situation when you're just staring him down above the wing. Ultimately, though, they have so much continuity. Their rotations are solid. They have a coach that makes pretty good decisions, although he's had a few hiccups in this series. 
um, they're looking pretty solid and they're looking like a surefire win over the uh, Philly 76ers who are, might not have Embiid in game one. Like that's still up in the air. Doc just said it the other day. They're not sure. I am going to put faith down that that's going to be a five to six game series at best. And I think it's going to be a six game series because I think we're going to get a game three or four James Harden, like 36 pointer, you know, where he's hitting, he can gather the strength to hit the step back for one game to keep them alive. And Embiid's just moseying along at 22 points, banged up, like, and Boston's going to absolutely, it, they do not care about what shape Joel Embiid is in. They're going to hound him for his life. Hound him. Yep. Like, I'm scared if I am them. We're going to see Embiid fall over the fucking court all the time. <sighs> because Al He's Horford be wants stumbling and fumbling. And Al Horford will honestly have a... If Al Horford gets a chip this year, he will have a real voice to say, I was the one responsible for Giannis and Embiid not winning championships some years. And I saw myself get up Kevin there as Durant. well. And Kevin Durant. Yeah, and Kevin Durant. But that Brooklyn team, dude. Yeah, and Kevin. Yeah, you're right. I was like, wait a minute. But yeah, Kevin Durant too. Shut them all down. Just a guy that lives just of the same vein as Jimmy Butler. You know, just he holds on to the performances until the playoffs, until he has that crucial 18-point game where he's made four threes and you're just mm-hmm. like like 13 boards and a couple blocks. He's just playing like horrific defense, like horror movie level defense. Like just destroying I don't know. people. This is why I, I get excited about Boston. And then you watch them out there and you see them grind like they do. They're a grinding team. And you're like, oh my God. And they're not afraid to live in the mud. Exactly. And that's why they won. That's what's so shocking about this year is that it seems like all Boston did to Milwaukee last year was they just, they ran with them. They ran with them and stayed two steps ahead the entire time until it was over. Mm-hmm. Like, and then this year, the Bucks fall so flat against the Jimmy Butler team. Himmy Butler. Like, you can't just, like, it's just so crazy how all of this has played out already and how it's just shaped the favorites. Adam, you mentioned them. We'll go ahead and move on here. You mentioned them. The next step in our funeral phase. We're putting the Cleveland Cavaliers to The rest. one that hurts the most. Putting the Cleveland Cavs to, to rest. How pissed were you during game four in New York? It was the Sunday game. Donovan Mitchell just had one of the worst games of his entire life. Career. Yeah. The, probably, yes, the worst game of his career. Like, just looked absolutely lost. He was playing... It was almost like he was scared to not call for the ball. You know, like he was he was scared to take a possession off. Like every mm-hmm. single time that he would want to do a little pitch to Allen for like some kind of weird handoff, he would pitch the ball to Allen real quick. And Jared Allen just saying like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? 19 feet from the basket. Right. Like with Mitchell Robinson breathing down my neck and Don sitting there like clapping his hands. Oh, back yeah, at him. Yeah, exactly. Both who played great defense this entire time. And then quickly is all over Don or whoever is switched on to Don is just guarding him. And like, there's no space for that little pitch back. And Okoro can't hit a shot. Yeah, Okoro can't hit the open three right now. He needs that so bad. Like, 
Cleveland, I feel like, is in a need of finding something fast for Donovan Mitchell because how many years are left on his contract? You're saying trade Donovan Mitchell? I'm not saying trade Donovan Mitchell yet, but I'm just saying how long until Donovan Mitchell's like, let's pull the curtain up. This is Cleveland. I want out of here. Like, no. we're not, we're not there with like a year left on that deal. I don't Because it was this level bad. Amen. Like, if, I mean, if Dar- Darius Garland is, I mean, it was their first playoff run. It's just, it was That's so saying, shocking. Dude. It was just so shocking that they looked that completely cut off. Their defense was 79% there from the regular season. They were just letting themselves like get tripped up so much on offense. Like it was disheartening. I really wanted DG was coming alive in game four or no, it was game five. DG was coming alive in game five on Sunday. And like you thought there was, no, that was game four. They ended it in five. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, because I thought that the Cavs would definitely win game five at home, and they did not. No. The Knicks are just better right now. The Knicks made probably the best trade deadline acquisition outside of Kevin Durant and Josh Hart in terms of changing their season in a positive way. Like that the, Knicks, the move for Jalen Brunson in the offseason. Yes, and Brunson, okay, let's just put it on. Do you like or not like the three-point celebration? I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. It just looks gross. There's something about it that just looks gross. I mean, it could be worse. I mean, yeah, it could be worse, but it could like, be Steph Curry's dancing. I just you look at Jalen Brunson, he's the king of New York right now. 29 points in game four. Just looked better than everybody on the Cavs. Looked better than Don. For sure for certain. For the second year in a row. Yeah. Second year in a row in the playoffs, this man has ended Don Mitchell. It's rough. That is rough. I mean, you just look back at that Dallas series and you're like, I mean, if you didn't know already, that's fucking Bronson. I mean, Luca didn't make it back till game four. Insane, dude. Jalen Brunson had 23 in the closeout. It's just sad because the Mavs could have had their core from this season back. There could have been no Kyrie. DFS and Dinwiddie would still be on the team. And you could have had Brunson if you just slid him the bag and made the best financial decision for right now and didn't skimp. Like, Mm -hmm. they would have been so good this year with that rotation back. And maybe they could even swing for... They could still make that trade for Christian Wood to be your absolute insurance like in the regular season to win games for when Kleba and Powell are eventually hurt and don't play 82. Like, yeah, because you gave up pennies to get him. And you gave up pennies to get JaVale McGee, too. I'm pretty sure they just signed him. They signed him. He was a free agent. So they could have bolstered all of that. They actually gave him too much money for what they got out of him and how much they played him. It's just, that is... Uh, that's disheartening. That's more disheartening than almost all of this right now, is the Mavs could have been in that four spot playing against the Suns, you know, or the five spot where the Clippers were playing against the Suns in the first round and possibly winning with that squad. Where does Cleveland realistically go from here? Cleveland, I think that they are going to pull the Clippers move. They are like, this is a new core. 
We have plenty of potential. And out of all the things that we could possibly do to ourselves in terms of damage, searching for a three in the offseason market isn't even a really bad thing to be doing. Like all they need to do is go out and get three wings. I'm serious. Like they need to get three wings that they can sign and give 12 to 20 minutes to. Like they need to clear out the gunk. They need to reserve Okoro to the two because he is too small to be playing the three and he is just physical enough to take on big guards. And I think that they just, that's their game plan. That should be their, their game plan. Two off the bench though. Yeah, exactly. Is that you have two wings that you can bring off the bench and one to fill into a starter position. If you want to shoot the goddamn ball. Exactly. If not all three. So look for that and look for a backup center too. They really need a backup center because Robin Lopez is not that they gave rid, got rid of Kevin love, which I'm not going to give credit to nor (laughs) take away from either team for the, that acquisition. Like it was just probably better for both, most cases too, because Kevin love was not going to change the physical nature of Isaiah Hartenstein and (laughs) Mitchell Robinson. I would argue you may need a mildly better backup center than Robin Lopez. Like Robin Lopez is damn near nothing at this point, but exactly. You don't want someone who is un is like, uh, you know, overqualified for the position because then you're going to end up get, probably giving him too, too many minutes. Right. And what yes. you need to do is you need to develop Mobley at the five. Mobley has got to get right? bigger. Mobley definitely needs to get bigger because I just don't see him being outright KG. KG was a scorer, and KG was lanky like that and could stay lanky like that to be and a shit. KG scorer. was a better at scoring when he came into the league than Mobley is. Well, that's what I'm saying is that's where the comparison always goes is KG and Tim Duncan. And Tim Duncan was fucking beefy, dude. Like, he was never skinny. Just Cleveland needs to... Cleveland just needs to be better next season. They need to be making the smart decisions and filling out the rest of their roster because their top four is excellent. Like, you can't take that away from them. Their top four is an absolutely, absolute, absolutely excellent core. Number and, one defense in the league. Right. And I think that Karras really earned a spot on, his, on this team in the playoffs. Even though, like, how seriously are you looking at Karras? Like, yeah, you're going to have to, like, really score 24 points a game for us to win. Mm-hmm. Like, it shouldn't be like that for him, for his role. Like, and I feel like he does it so well, and he needs to be moved up a position and put beside another big wing. Like, it's just, it's the simple moves the Cavs need to make. I feel like they don't need to panic. Like, they need to just get their roster construction stabilized. And, like, you took the lump now. Right. Right. Like, you have to come back correct next year. If there is absolutely one move I could throw out there, if Cleveland did want to get desperate and they look to a team that has assets and hordes and we have previously brought up, that is the Brooklyn Nets. And I'm saying, could the Cavs reach out and say, hey, what do you want for Dorian Finney-Smith and or Royce O'Neal? If the Cavs could add those two players, they would win 57 57 to 59 games next season. Like putting nice. Royce as a championship asset as he was with dangled Don. and looked like he was going to be for the Brooklyn Nets before they just just absolutely tore apart their season for. And Cam Johnson is an, I can't remember, I think he might be a restricted free agent, but he is a free agent this season. So that's something too. 
for them. Royce has had like, experience playing with Don too. If you could throw a bag like that at Cam Johnson to play the three on this team, good night. Honestly. There you have it. Good night from Adam Elder and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, do you think New York Sacramento has a fighting right chance against Miami? I think that's going to be a gritty first three games and then it's going to turn into... Can it's just going to be Jalen Brunson versus Jimmy Butler when it comes down to it, because I feel like Miami's wings are going to be able to stifle guys like RJ Barrett and limit guys like Josh Hart to a degree. And because I mean, if you're going to dangle it out there that your favorite thing about basketball is offensive rebounds to a absolute psychopath like Eric Spolstra. Like, Spo is going to make sure that you never not see a box out at all times on the floor. Facts. Physical, body against you at all times. Yep. I trust this man to be able to say that they're going to close off the valve of Josh Hart offensive rebounds that can change the narrative of a game, as he said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, like, I think that this is going to be... This is going to be a great series because this is kind of an underrate, underrated matchup. When you think about what it was a while ago when it was LeBron James versus Carmelo Anthony in the playoffs, Mm -hmm. Knicks versus Heat, and now we're looking at Jimmy Butler versus Jalen Brunson and Julius Randles. Like, just a completely different taste to it, and it's just an old-school rivalry. I'm looking forward to it. I think this will be a great series. I think we have nothing but great series on the table for the next rounds. For the semifinals, yeah. Yeah, everything's shaping up really fucking nice for the semifinals. Um... I think I'd take the Heat in six or seven in that series if Jimmy keeps playing like this. I just don't and know how you stop all that the guys could shoot. Right, I know. If you're going to really challenge R.J. Barrett physically from the wing position, which he had none against him in the Cleveland series, that was the biggest case is that they had no wing pressure. I mean, he had the two pretty good games. Can you believe they I call him I, I just want to rely Barrett. on that guy. Yeah, I know. Or Julius Randle, honestly. That's why you got Brunson. Randle keeps hurting, getting hurt too. He rolled the ankle again and what was yeah. it? Game was it the closeout, game six or game five? I think it was I think it was earlier than that. Because he had the rolled ankle to go into the playoffs and then didn't come back until well, he played game one and then was just awful. I know, I but know. he rolled it, he re aggravated it again. I'm not sure. But yeah, he was essentially a non-factor in this series. And New York still won pretty convincingly. So that's a pretty good sign, I would say. Yeah, but when you're going up, I mean, Bam's going to be huge in this next series. Like, right, is Mitchell yes. Robinson really going to be able to do that to Bam? Right, because he is so much faster than Allen and Mobley. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. We will see. Um, next series, next funeral. Last one here. R.I.P. to the Timberwolves. Hey, you trade everything for Rudy Gobert to try to speed up the process with Anthony Edwards, mm-hmm. and you get the same result you had last year. Yep. I mean, it's tough for him. Be it's tough yourself. because we saw the pressure that was put on the Lakers by Cat in the play-in. And Cat looked like a star and had the aura of a star in the way that he was able to drive and play make 
And then you add Gobert back into that equation. And they played with a desperation that actually kind of scared me because I was like, the Hawks are the Hawks. The Wolves are playing with some kind of chip because they had all the turmoil. They're missing guys. They need guys to step, step up. Torian Prince was great for them. If not like just anything above that, he's been this regular season, like an average role player at least. But like, it seemed like they had the guys to cha- really change them to the direction and play well for them in the playoffs, including Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who had hit a huge stride with his three-point shot going into the play-in. Like, he really was... They were really looking like a team that had rounded out positions, but they were hurt and could have competed with Anthony Edwards not even playing that well in some of those games, too. Pretty bad. Like... And Anthony Edwards here in the first round is hooping. And then you get just a nice soft exit here. And you have your stars, quote unquote stars, for this series. And they are just completely snuffed out by a team that has one center. Like, it's absolutely insane. And you have the whole drama with the Rudy punch as well on Anderson. It's just like... Yeah, I really don't like that. Like, I mean, walking away, you're like, okay, the Rudy punch wasn't if you try to get as microscopic as the entire media did about it, like, I guess it's not really all that bad. Like, it got kind of overblown, but, like, that's also during the sideline of a game where mm-hmm. plenty of people are, have, were able to see that. Right. There was obvious rift because there was leaks audio from Kyle Anderson saying how they catered to Gobert and then tell Kyle Anderson to just stay focused and in his lane. Right. Like, and it was like, God damn, are they really feeling that bad? And then you have Jalen McDaniels punch his... Punched hand into a wall that was too close to a wall and didn't know that a wall was behind it, but he punched the curtain. It's just like, what's going on there? Do they need? Do they need to fire their coach and hire Nick Nurse? Couple teams are eyeing that down for sure. The Timberwolves. I just. I did. Do you trade Gobert? Nobody is trading for him anymore. Nobody's trading for him. That's why the Timberwolves traded for him. Nobody else was trading for him. Right. And it was either me or Donovan, he said. I think that, yeah. Like, I think that is a broken stock at this point. Like, it's completely broken because he is actually that bad on offense. He is. No matter how soft he wants to get at times and have touch, like, it's not there. He is not a good free throw shooter. Nope. He is not a floor spacer in any sense of the word. He has no bag, if you want to take it that way. And all he has defensively is rim protection. He's been played off the floor by crafty guards through his whole career. Yep. You put him all the way out on the three-point line and one move and you're around him. And then he's trying to recover and he can't recover because he's just that much slower laterally than you. Yeah. It's sad to see because it's a reality. It's a reality that we've been trying to fucking bang on for how long now, though? Well, it's just like the dark discourse of NBA talk is that Rudy Gobert is actually trash and had a severe advanced um, advanced stats impact over how many years we got Sacramento and Golden State on right now it is now 11 to 10 where's that series going they closing out tonight I think that Golden State wins it tonight but I'm not going to put up the possibility that Sacramento is just going to ball the fuck out here you think we get what what's Clay putting up tonight? I think Clay's gonna have nineteen. That's it. Yep, I think that Clay is gonna be pushing on Game Six Clay energy too much, and the Kings might win. 
Damn. Keegan Murray's been winning his minutes. He has slowly got fed minutes back, and I am happy to see that. Hey, look, anytime you see Clay Thompson suck it up, I'm totally there for oh, it. Oh, we got so. Draymond Green literally sitting on Keegan Murray, actually, as we speak. Would not get up off of it. What is Draymond's problem? Draymond is driving here and then just did a kickout pass to Poole and just barreled over Keegan Murray and then would not get up off of him. Like, he's just, why? Trying, to, he's just trying to get into people's heads. Swings his leg over into Murray and lands on top of him in purpose, down on the waist, and then just lays there for an extra three minutes until Murray's like, please get off of me. You think if the Kings win tonight, they can close out game seven? I would be giving them all the energy in the world because I remember how excited we all were after game one. Yep. And we were like, the Warriors are finally going down. And then game two just validates it. First time in history. Oh, I just, I'm nervous. I am nervous right now. Because Sacramento, they need to just execute. The ball is in the, their court, realistically. But Steph Curry is about to steal it. Right. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. that's the reality. Like, it is absolutely your turn to respond. And on you, but Steph Curry's right behind you. And oh, that's yeah. just anytime that's real, that's just the fear. The fear and is Jordan there. Poole has just looked lost. Yeah, I mean, that's a fucking elephant in the room for them and a huge question mark for them moving forward. Let not just like long term, but just in the playoffs here alone. Um plus, the next game tonight. Say, can we just get Lakers versus Kings in the second That's round? What? Lakers versus Kings? No. I want Lakers versus Warriors. I want Lakers to close it out tonight. That's at 1030 as we record. We're about two hours out from that. I want to see the Lakers close it out. Please, please, please. And you know what? If Bron's going to make a run for his fifth here, why not put Curry to bed on the road to do it? Right. Why the fuck not? I'd rather him do that than take what some would probably say an easier matchup against the Kings, even though I'm not sure it would be an easy matchup. I'm not sure anything's coming easy at all. Um, I don't know. It's just like, I would love to see Curry versus Braun. Right, I know. Yes, this would be the perfect staging. It would be perfect. So I really do want it. ESPN wants it too. Yes, exactly. Clay just made a ridiculous baseline fading shot. So maybe I should renege on that 19 points offer. I'm going to say 38. It was, it's one or the other. I think it's going to be 38 tonight. God damn. You went that severe. Yeah, I like, know. Because that's why like, I almost said the first time. And then I wanted to root for the Kings and I said 19. So now I'm like, fuck, Clay might just poop tonight. And he might have the 30 point plus state. game. Oh, man. What do you think Braun's putting up tonight? I hope Braun gets 29. And I want... got to get 32 from AD. Yep, we need 30 plus from AD at the very least. I need 28 minimum from AD. Yep, and then 19 from Austin Reeves. Yep. We need D-Lo to hit probably... And you actually, you know what's going to be the X factor? We need 15 from Bando. 
we need Vando to say, nobody wants to guard me and I'm just going to drive and make them foul me. And also take advantage being strong around the rim. Mm-hmm. He can't He's finish there. though. He can't fucking finish though. He has no touch. He has no shot. Like it sucks because, but when he gets those crucial points in transition where he actually can live, it's like, oh, well, that's God. where the whole fucking team lives, dude. Yes, we do need D'Lo to get at least, I would say at the very least, 13 points. And then we also need a nice 15 from Rui too. Yeah. Just round that all out. Get us a dub tonight. Please. Put the series to rest. Put put Memphis to bed. Let it be. (laughs) Let that be what the next media cycle about blow up is. Yep. And oh my God, just let it all go to bed. And And let the Lakers one step closer to his fifth. And everybody can shut the fuck up about Russ being good for the Clippers for two games, two and a half games. Yep. And Lakers are a real fucking LA team one. Yep, and then every because that was all the gas was that Russ had a good three and three games in that series, and everybody's like, "Oh, they made a mistake," you know, sending him because now they're looking down the second round. And I was like, "What the fuck, dude? Ridiculous!" I just there's so much emotional balancing. I just please Lakers dub tonight. Well, Adam. That being said. I think it's time to wrap it up. As always, stay engaged with us on all social media at the Dip Network across the board. We love to hear your takes. We love to hear your thoughts about the playoffs. This shit just keeps getting crazier. Um, yep. Stay tapped the fuck in. We're here for you. Uh, love to hear from you guys. Um, we we appreciate any and all listeners, as we used to say, Adam. <laughs> um, you know what time it is. It's trivia time. I'm just scared of it every time now. So I'm like, we've got some of the, you know, uncommon ones out of the way. And now I'm like, I don't know what waters we're in at this point. It's getting to be dark, dark waters, Adam. I'm throwing <laughs> a whole new, I'm throwing you a whole new style of question today. And full disclosure, I have stolen this idea from another podcast from the athletic NBA show. Uh, I believe it is the Saturday slam and jam show where they do trivia every week. And one of the styles of trivia that they really like to pull out is giving a list of nicknames from basketball reference. Oh, here we go for different players. And what they'll do is they'll they'll give you about five names, nicknames, and only one of those out of all of them is a fake oh. name from basketball reference. So you kind of have to like think about which ones are real and which ones aren't real. So that's what I'm we're doing today, it. Adam. I'm throwing a curveball at you. I, I, I want to see how you handle this. I know you proves basketball reference a decent bit, so... I want to see how you handle this. I just want to throw out there before we even say anything else. The greatest basketball reference name of all time, nickname, goes to Andre Iguodala with Dalla Bills. Dalla Bills. Legendary. <laughs> Dalla Bills. <laughs> His name is Andre Iguodala. They call him Dalla Bills. Oh, I guess it does make sense. Uh, Iguodala Bills. 
<laughs> if you say so. Um, <laughs> God damn, I just came to that realization on the radio. Where is the fucking... Hang on. Okay, this man, is yeah. something I have, I would say, decent knowledge of. I was thinking you would be able to get some of these because I'm like, this guy spent a decent bit of time just fucking around on basketball reference. Fairfield Federal drive through is the perfect time for some basketball reference mornings. Yep. All right. So these five nicknames that I'm going to list, Adam, four of them are nicknames that belong to players that did make the playoffs this year. So if that helps you a little bit, these are from teams that did make the playoffs. Nickname number one. (laughs) The Alchemist. And don't guess until the end. Nickname number two. Godfather. Number three. Maple Mamba. Number four, Showtime. And number five, Broadway J. Wow. Maybe I talk too much hype about myself. Broadway J. I don't know. I feel like the alchemist isn't real. Adam Elder, is that your final answer? You want me to go through them again? The alchemist, Showtime, Godfather, Jay, Godfather. What was the other one? So it was five. Maple Mamba. Maple Mamba. Ugh. No, I think that one's real. Yeah, I'm going with The Alchemist. Adam Elder, I'm so sorry. That's incorrect. I take a commanding fourth two lead in the season. God, Adam. Whose name is The Alchemist? All right, so I'll I'll list them off here. The Alchemist belongs to Nick Claxton. Jesus, what? Yep. Godfather belongs to Al Horford. What? Yep. Yep. Maple Mamba belongs to R.J. Barrett. Yep. Ugh, I figured it would be something gross because I'm like, it's not Wiggins and it's not Jamal Murray. Showtime belongs to Michael Porter Jr. What? Yep. And Broadway J was the fake one. Damn. And, and it was a variation of R.J. Barrett's, one of his nicknames. He's got about five on here. One of them's Broadway Barrett. And one of them's Star J. That's so what I, I was just made Broadway J. Uh, and I got you, fucker. That's what I said earlier in the pod, though. As I said, they, they call him Star J Barrett. Isn't that disgusting? That is disgusting. Who, who were you thinking Broadway J was? I thought it was Jason Tatum. Like, I thought oh, that would really? be a low key one. But no, his nickname is Taco J. Kind of looks like a taco. Yeah, sort of. It's a little racist. Um, <laughs> Jesus. So, Adam, you are now down 4-2 for the season. It's not looking good. Uh, blow it up. 
you might you might want to fucking blow it up. Blow it up, dude. Gotta blow yep. it up. Trade all you got for Dame. Yep. <laughs> Dame will be better at trivia than you could ever imagine. Oh yeah, Dame's got it. All right, buddy, let's wrap it up. One more take. Malik Beasley is the X factor in the Grizzlies game tonight. How many do we need from Malik? 14, at least. And they got to all be threes. Yeah. Got to be threes and one, one free throw make. One free throw. Or two free throw makes, I guess. Maybe one layup, actually. That's fine. Four threes and one layup. 14 points from Malik Beasley. You're probably winning if that happens. Exactly. As long as saying. everyone else does their job. Right. Yep. Oh, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. I'm nervous watching this Golden State game. Sacramento's up by one point right now. I'm going to be tapped into that for sure. Um, I got one more take. We talked about how there's so much up in the air with this team. I think Chris Milton's gone. I Yeah, I think that's kind of safe, honestly. I think out of the core, he's the most likely to be gone because what you get from Drew Holiday on defense and at times offense, I do, I'm just not sure you can replace the impact that a man has on the defensive end of the floor. You're not replacing at that position reasonably. Right. What Chris Middleton's ceiling is, you can find out there. Yes. If not something better, ultimately uh, for the fit. Bradley Beal? I mean, I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it either. I think that would be a really interesting move. Small backcourt, though, but Drew Holiday defends his ass off, so does it really matter? Yeah. When you can get a solid 24-28 from Brad Beal giving a shit on a playoff team. Right. But yeah, I think I Middleton... I think, I think Middleton's most likely gone if something happens, and I think I'm leaning towards that happening than not. Maybe you can move Middleton... Middleton and like Grayson Allen together in some kind of package with maybe two first round picks and you can get both Beal and um, like Corey Kispert or another high level three point shooter. Maybe you can even get Monte Morris. Beal and Monte Morris to the Bucks. That'd be and real then, nice. That would be extremely nice and then you fit Nick Nurse in there too. You'd be coming back ready, that's for sure. All right, we're out of here. Peace.